What's going on, guys? My name is Josh. And this is Kirsten. And you are listening to the What's Happening Idaho podcast. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Today, joining us, we have state representative and candidate for lieutenant governor, Priscilla Giddings. Priscilla, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So we wanted to bring you on the podcast because obviously you are running for a statewide campaign. And we wanted to really have our audience hear what your platform is and what made you decide to run for that position. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. So maybe I could start just a little bit with my background. You know, I grew up in Idaho, graduated high school from Salmon River High School up in Riggins and went off to the Air Force Academy. It's kind of a, a childhood dream. I wanted to serve our country, fight for freedom, and I got that opportunity. After four years at the Air Force Academy, went off to pilot training and got selected to fly my first choice, the mighty A-10 Warthog. And for those of you that don't know what it is, it's, you've probably seen it flying through the skies down in the Treasure Valley of Idaho, but it's a single seat fighter aircraft built around a 30 millimeter Gatling gun. And I really enjoyed flying that for a while. My first assignment was overseas. And then I was able to transition into the MC-12 through Project Liberty, where we did um, reconnaissance in Afghanistan. And after about a thousand hours flying over Afghanistan, I quickly realized here we are fighting, losing lives, trying to fight for the Afghanis to have, you know, fair elections, to have the rule of law, to create a constitution. And in the meantime, in Idaho, we were starting to lose those freedoms. Mm -hmm. And so I just really felt called to come back home to Idaho and to fight for those freedoms locally. So that happened back in about 2016, and I threw my hat in the ring for the state legislature, and I beat the incumbent, and I've been in the legislature for the last five years, and now here we are, and ready to run for higher office. Absolutely. Great. Yeah. And then tell us a little bit about um, you and Matt and, and the girls and... Yeah, so it's kind of a fun little love story. I hear it. It was back in, goodness, I think it was back in 2016, 2017. We were, I was at a, a Farm Bureau dinner mm -hmm. and I met Matt, who's now my current husband. And he grew up in a farming family down in southern Idaho. And his wife, correction, I'm his wife, his sister. I'm going to say reverse all of this because I'm thinking current, current husband. I'm like... That could be misconstrued. You may want to. I'm like, My have there been one others? and only husband. Yeah. But his sister is a fighter pilot in the Air Force. And mm. she's a colonel. She flew F-16s, F-15s. And so that kind of created the connection because she's a fighter pilot and, and I'm a fighter pilot. And so his dad was there and he thought for sure that we would know one another. <laughs> and that's how I ended up meeting Matt. And so we got married and we have two little girls, Hannah and Gwendolyn. And they're so uh, the light of our life, especially during the holidays. Oh, it's fun. Yeah. So, Priscilla, uh, one thing I want to ask you about is this last legislative session, there was an issue with preschool funding. And I was hoping you kind of give us a little bit of clarification on that because we actually talked about it the other night with somebody who's running for state superintendent. Um, but I wanted to get your take since you're one of the legislators who was pushing back on that. 
Sure. So this session, I got to serve on the budget committee and we watch all the requests coming from the state agencies on what federal dollars they want to spend, what state dollars they want to spend. And one of them that came through was from the State Board of Education, and they wanted to use your federal taxpayer money to give it to a nonprofit who would then try to establish a preschool infrastructure. Mind you, that's not normal. Normally, you would have a policy decision made by the legislature, because right now preschool is not funded by the state, by taxpayer money. And there's a strong push to require the state to fund preschool. And so to see this request for federal dollars to try to usurp the whole policy process was a little bit alarming. And I started digging into that funding request and we quickly found out that the nonprofit that the state wanted to give your money to was very their activists. They support left leaning policies. They were pushing um, critical race theory concepts. They had a, a book list that they were going to recommend for teachers of zero to five years old kids. And on the book list, they had things um, such as A is for activists and how to teach your child to be an activist. Or another one um, about whiteness and that it's just if you're white, then you're a racist just inherently. And that's this critical race theory um, thing that is spreading throughout the nation that we're trying to push back against because I don't believe that America is inherently racist. And so we have to push back against that so that it's not being um, used to indoctrinate our children. So that was the, the one thing specifically with the funding. And that went through, we had lots of discussions both in the House and the Senate and that request failed ultimately by one vote in the legislature. Wow. Is that NAEYC? Is that the National Association for Education of Young Children that's pushing the agenda? Co correct. And they have offshoots in the states. And so it's for us in Idaho, it's the IDAEYC. Mm -hmm. We need to get rid of them. They've been around forever, NAEYC anyway. And when I was getting my degree in early childhood education, it was a big push. And we didn't even realize back then a long time ago, 24 years ago, how the agenda was, was there even then, but we didn't see it. And now we see it with, you know, bold highlighted colors. So one of the other aspects of that money, they wanted it to go to this other for-profit business that creates a little device called a, called a talk pedometer. Mm. And they wanted to be able to put that device in infants, like in a little vest on the front of their vest, to listen to everything that that infant hears and says, and then share that information with like a local computer. And then they had data sharing agreements with state agencies, all in the name of trying to help your child's literacy, but really way too far in the whole um, nanny state mm -hmm. aspect, yeah. if you think about it. Yeah, and, that's weird. And we had elected officials that were on board for that. Yeah, almost half our entire legislature supported it. And our legislators are mostly Republicans, correct? They call themselves that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. That's, that's been kind of the, the big debate we've been having is, is we've been talking, and I think Kirsten said it best, we have a lot of people in the Republican Central Committee who are claiming to be Republicans, but when you peel back the onion, there are a lot of JFK 
Democrats. You know, that's what that vote on that childhood development grant really showed, is that here you have, they want to use your taxpayer money to push leftist ideologies, and half the legislature voted for it. And so it really does highlight that we're um, not as conservative in Idaho. You know, the one thing I point people to is the American Conservative Union. They're a national organization. They've supported Trump all along. They rank every single state legislator across the United States and everybody who votes in D.C. on how conservative their votes are. And just in the last five, six years that I, once I ran for office, so back in 2015, Idaho was the second most conservative state in the union. Hmm. And this last voting year, we are now the 17th conservative state in the union and you can see other aspects of that and all the lawsuits trying to push back against the biden administration we have states 24 different states signed on to a lawsuit with one another trying to push for election integrity to push to stop the mandates and idaho has not been jumping on with a lot of these states and so it really shows that we are slipping as a conservative state but may 17th is the day when we need a red wave of conservative voters to show that we are a conservative state with their vote. Yeah, absolutely. And I've I've heard you talk before where you mentioned that a lot of people showed up for Trump, but didn't show up for the primaries. Can you kind of dive into that? Yeah, absolutely. That's the one thing I foot stomp everywhere I go. And I hope if you don't remember anything else that I say, remember this. And that is we need everybody to vote as a registered Republican on May 17th of 2022. And I say that specifically because in Idaho, we kind of have a new thing and it's called a closed primary. It's only um, maybe five, six years old. It means that you can only vote in the primary if you're a registered Republican or a registered Democrat. If you're unaffiliated or an independent, you're not able to vote in that primary. And the reason that's important is because if you look at the 2020 election, we have a 1.8 million Idahoans, a million registered, but they did not vote in that May primary. And so it just shows when you compare those 350,000 versus the 200,000 Republicans who actually voted in May, that there's a a huge disparity there. And that if we can get those middle independent voters to start voting, then we can really make an impact on that. Absolutely. I've been talking about it a little bit is uh, take five. You know, you've got five seats in a standard car with yourself and the other seats, fill them up, take them and, you know, guide people on who they should vote for, have a, a voter, not necessarily guide them, but say, hey, this is who I recommend and this is why. And I think it's also important. And, and that's why we really push for getting out and meeting people. And then I'll tell you this. I haven't told you and I've mentioned it on the past podcast in New Hampshire. They had it to where a transgender Satanist atheist won the Republican primary. For anarchist too, right? Anarchist, yes. <laughs> Uh, won the Republican primary. What a gem. Yeah. (laughs) And this person even said, they said, look, I don't even, I'm not a Republican, but I'm most closely aligned with the Libertarian Party, but I would have had to go out and get signatures. And nobody ran against this person in that primary. So I think that's why we really push hard that there's opportunities to meet candidates. You have to go meet them. Yeah. And take five can be take 15 if you're in the homeschool van area of my (laughs) world. You got a lot of spots. So bring a lot of people and tell even more if you you bring five. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you can easily request for an absentee ballot, too. Um, Idaho is pretty liberal on letting people vote absentee. So if you're a snowbird and you still 
and you're gone and you're not back by May, just make sure your county clerk knows to send you an absentee ballot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then don't lose it because I lost mine last year during COVID and I couldn't get a new one. That day I said, uh, I filled it out. It was here. I was ready to turn it in. It was gone. It's never turned up again. And they couldn't do anything at the Canyon County Elections Office. And I thought, oh my goodness, in 31 years, I've never not voted. And that was the one with my name on it for PC. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you were on JFAC. Uh, Can you tell us about your experience with that? Yeah, so JFAC's the Joint Finance and Appropriations Committee. I often just refer to it as the Budget Committee. And it is a joint committee. There are 10 members from the House and 10 members from the Senate. So there's 20 total members on the committee. And historically, they don't really let conservatives on that committee Mm -hmm. because we are a very spend-happy state. And when I first volunteered in the Capitol back in about 20. 15 time frame, there was one conservative on the committee. And I think they don't like to have two conservatives on that committee because you need to have two people to be able to propose a motion for an alternate budget idea. So this year is the first time where we've had two conservatives on there, myself and Representative Ron Nate, he's an economics professor from BYU-Idaho. Mm-hmm. And we've really been able to propose alternative ideas to things. Um, some of the most alarming things that we saw this year was all the federal money that just flooded into the state. So just in the last year and a half, we've had $18 billion worth of federal money flood into our state. And normally a budget in our state, well, let's say five years ago when I first started, our annual budget was about $6.9 billion. This year, we're all the way up to $11.4 billion. And then we brought in $18 billion of federal money. And we have three more billion coming in with this new Infrastructure and Jobs Act. And then now they've got more um, that they want to send to Idaho. What's interesting about that is that when you had the first American Relief Funds that came were approved um, through Joe Biden, not one Republican in Washington, D.C. voted for that money. But when it showed up to Idaho, there were 18 members of the Budget Committee who just accepted it right in. There were only two of us that voted no. So there again, there's an example of where we're not as conservative of a state as you might imagine. Wow. Yeah, that's frightening because the strings attached are real. So, Yeah, and so 45% of our budget is, as a state now is coming from federal dollars. And where that's very concerning is that our federal government doesn't have that money. We're nearing $30 trillion in debt. Mm-hmm. And so what are they going to leverage to get out from underneath their debts? And that's where our freedom is being substituted with shackles of other globalists who are controlling us as a nation and now as a state. Yeah, it's frightening. And we've given away a lot of our lands and our potential money for our state by letting the feds control those areas, right? That's part of um, what you'll be doing as lieutenant governor, I would think, is overseeing some land appropriation and what we're, as a state, willing to give. So what you're talking about is actually the land board, and the lieutenant governor does not serve on the land board. The secretary of state does. There's a Mm -hmm. handful of others. The governor and... um, some others that serve on that board, lieutenant governor does not. So the role of the lieutenant governor in Idaho really is twofold. One, you are the presiding officer over the Senate and you get to break a tie. And that's the only time you have the opportunity to vote. The other 
um, role that you fill is in the executive branch. So when the governor's out of the state, you're the acting governor, and you're also, you're a heartbeat away from the governor's office. Mm -hmm. And so you're more in a leadership position than a policymaking position. And so that relationship with the governor is so key, which we have seen that's been not there this last term. Yeah, so we currently have a governor and a lieutenant governor who are um, have huge ideological differences. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that statewide amongst um, in the Republican Party. I mean, even we go back to that vote I talked with you about, we had 200,000 Republicans vote and we have 350,000 unaffiliated votes. So you can see there is a majority who are more conservative and believe in America first principles and Idaho first principles who are against the globalist agenda. Mm -hmm. But when they don't participate in the Republican Party, that's how we lose our state to these globalist Republicans. And now we have a coordinated effort by the Democrats to infiltrate that Republican primary. They're advertising it in the newspaper, all over online, telling Democrats to register as Republicans for the primary and then to switch back and re-register as Democrats in the general election. And so we it's kind of cheating at a new level. It's yeah. going against those basic principles of doing right and wrong that we have were taught as children that our enemy now is they don't use those same um, had those same morals. Yeah, they've really ramped it up too. That's it's not something that's completely new. Uh, they did it in the last election, but they weren't publicly advertising it. And I know this because a lot of times I would call numbers for candidates, and what I'd find is people would be yelling at me randomly, saying I'm a lifelong Democrat, and they confirmed that they were who they were. But the data showed that they voted Republican in the primaries. <laughs> that's so, a funny one. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate that that's the level playing field that they want to take and the hill that they want to take us on at instead of actually having a conversation pertaining to policy. You know, it, it leaves them wide open for us to start running conservative candidates in the Democrats. Okay, that's where my mind went. As soon as you said that, I said, who can we get to run against their because if they're not over there voting for the Democrats on their ticket, we need to get in on that side and start even some great independents who are much more conservative minded than the Democrats and some of the Republicans. So I really struggle with considering myself an R through and through anymore because I'm voting for somebody's principles and morals and values. You know, it's, it's like, what hill are you going to die on? The Republican hill that we end up with a little and bed key and at all? Or do we just get who we need in there for the good of the state? Hold your nose and vote is literally what I've had to tell people in Caldwell. Yeah, yeah, that that runoff was um, Wrong. turd and turd sandwich as I've described <laughs> it before. Yeah. One was just with bread, so it's <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Welcome to Caldwell. No yeah, plug your nose and vote. Yeah. So uh, it seems like a lot of people are coming after you, and and I've seen this as a trend where they're really going after strong conservatives. You. Ron Nate, I saw another person was also going after Chad Christensen and a few others. Can you kind of talk about what that experience has been like? Yeah, so it's it's the uh, kind of an old tactic of the radical left, and we are seeing it nationwide. I mean, they're big time picking on Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, mm -hmm. they put her through an ethics committee. They kicked her off all of her committees, but she is fundraising more than any other congressperson in the history of our nation because people 
believe in what she's fighting for. Mm-hmm. And we see that they did ethics charges against Wendy Rogers down in Arizona for mm-hmm. really shedding the light on the problems with the election integrity. And so now in Idaho, we are on the left's target list. We're the number one state. They want to flip us like Rocky Mountain High style, just like they did Colorado. And so they're trying everything. They're throwing ethics um, violations against us. They've got um, frivolous lawsuits they're throwing against us, uh, public records requests. They're just inundating everybody, even our current lieutenant governor, with public records requests. And Idaho is not set up to have, we don't have the staff to push back and sustain all that. So what it does, it just bogs you down. It's part of the the bureaucratic creep. It just gets so bogged down with all of these attacks. So then for me, you know, it started when I first ran for office. Um, They made a claim that I wasn't paying my property taxes the right way. And so, and they, I mean, I had to spend personal money on lawyer fees to push back and to fight that. And of course I did everything right. And so I made it through that, but it took thousands of dollars and, and, and it was a fight and it took up time that I couldn't be investing in my job as a legislator. And then we've seen other, you know, little attacks here and there. But then as soon as they found out that I was going to run for lieutenant governor, my opponent in the race, who is currently the Speaker of the House, he also signed an ethics complaint against me. And they wanted to go after me for uh, a post that I made on social media. And then that kind of fizzled out because I didn't share information. It was already out there. It was shared by a former attorney general and a former lieutenant governor. So then they started to say that I um, was a liar. you know. And so just the very um, basic attacks, they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, 63000 just on lawyer fees mm-hmm. and then more to bring the all the legislators back into session to vote against me to say that they thought that I was misrepresenting the truth is just um, quite... There's a lot of hypocrisy there as we push back against this. So, you know, we just have to keep wading through the muck and hoping that Idahoans see through this, that they stop, you know, reading the the local papers and instead listen to um, what's really going on through podcasts like yours and others throughout the state. That's what we're trying to do. I mean, True Idaho News with Daniel Babinski and others that are really trying to just Tell the other side and tell the truth and, yeah, be transparent with stuff. So It's a busy schedule. We, Kirsten and myself, we are constantly trying to get people involved and get voters educated. And, you know, we do this podcast. We did one last night. We did another one just a couple days ago. And, and I co-host the True Idaho News podcast as well. So, and then we've got all these events. Yeah. But we're seeing where it's fruitful. You know, action breeds action, as we've seen. And people are coming out and getting involved and it's it's been phenomenal so far thank you californians who have come here and are joining <laughs> no, the fight no kidding <laughs> I know. no kidding I, I hate to say it you know i'm not from california but it really is californians who are like hey we left a place where we just our, our voice was silenced mm-hmm. we had no way to push back and here we are we can take the stand yeah and let's hold the line yeah and we see the writing on the wall so we know what's coming down the pike this is this is 30 years ago in California, and yet I think it could be done so much quicker here now in the day and time that we are with social media and things. I get the move on text. I know what they're trying to do. They're doing call centers all over the state trying to get people engaged, and it's like, 
here's Republicans like we just want to stay out of politics in general and have everyone do the next right thing. And when they don't, we're like, oh, now we're mad. Now we got to get involved. And so we are having a lot of people come to our meetings and do our meet and greets. We did one with you, Priscilla, and we're doing one with Dorothy. And there's just all these um, events coming up where people can just get in front of these candidates and see that they truly are wanting to be servant leaders. They want to be there for the people. They're certainly not in it for the money, the 17 grand or whatever. Um, so I think we just need to hear from the candidates um, what their position is on things so that we can know and trust them and see where, where they're going to take our state. It's a nervous time for us. Yeah. Well, and it's it's so we're, we're very fortunate that we have conservatives who are running for office or running for reelection where we can actually see how they voted. So, you know, going back to the American Conservative Union, you can see how they measure mm-hmm. these bills and how they rank up. And you can see right off the bat, I think you're actually the top in the state of Idaho, if I remember correctly, out of all the legislators, as far as your score goes. Making you a target. Making mm-hmm. you a target. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Yeah. We so appreciate it. <laughs> it is nice to be able to have that information because it is hard. I mean, even for a legislator, you call me and say, hey, do you know when this is going to be brought up in committee? I don't know. You talk to the head of that committee and they say, oh, we're going to we're going to have it be read this day. And they tell you that. And then it's almost like strategically knowing that people are going to be flying from North Idaho or traveling from your district, District 7, they change the date as soon as people get here and they're not able to testify. Yeah, you're definitely, um, I appreciate those that are moving to our state because they're they're voting with their feet and they believe in freedom. And we're kind of to the point that it's, um, we got to just stand and fight. Mm -hmm. And you're in a state now where your voice matters. And if you show up, you're you're important you know in california it was hard to be important it was Mm -hmm. hard to talk to your state legislator but now i mean you can call me Mm -hmm. and and i want to know what's on your mind and we need to continually join together and fight back and i think we are in a place where we still can we still can beat the establishment push back and hang on to our constitutional freedoms but we need all hands on deck. Yes. And that's where we want to encourage everybody who's new to the area, please get involved, plug in somehow. Yeah, and I think the the establishment is used to throwing money, but not effort. And so when we do a little bit of effort in Canyon and we see results, they're not happy, but honestly, it's what they should have been doing a long time ago and, and people would have figured it out a lot sooner. We'll even look at uh, the eight races that we won yeah. in Nampa, Nampa. right? Mm-hmm. They started, and I'm pretty sure the 97% had something to do with this, but they started that group focusing on pretty much calling all of our people libertarians or, or different slants mm-hmm. that they wanted to throw at them. I know. They they said I was part of like the January insurrection <laughs> stuff just because I posted a, a simple question. Does anyone know anyone that was down at the Capitol that was thrown in jail? Oh, well, that means you were... Yeah. Okay. So, and that was a new group, parents group, and it had literally no followers and they were trying to put up these radical Marxist um, people to run in these three spots and praise the Lord, people paid attention and didn't vote for them. And it was a real spanking for zone three, which was my zone. We had a Christian versus just a radical left gal who hates white people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Racist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and we're seeing that across the state. I mean, even up in Coeur d'Alene School District. So they are implementing this equity framework, which equity is equal outcomes, it's socialism, and they're putting it through their entire K through 12 system. Whoa. And so in Coeur d'Alene, they got organized and they started door knocking and they were able to get a conservative to win on their school board. And it was close and they just finished up a recount a few days ago but the conservative one. And so if we get organized mm -hmm. and if we let people know what's really going on, people want to do the right thing and they want to vote to keep our state free. Yeah. You know, it's another thing. I talked to a gal today uh, for about an hour on the phone because she is so frustrated that there aren't people necessarily willing to get into the fight. She is on her own in a small town. And so if we can get active and go help people like that with recalls where they have zone member um, trustees that don't even live in that zone who are appointed. And it's like, hey, wait a minute, how does this even happen? And yet her plans for doing a, a legitimate recall were thwarted at every step. And so um, they definitely know the ground rules better, but we want to help people like her who are maybe alone in a small area um, trying to fight a good fight and not having any help. So yeah, if you want to get involved, call me. That's a joke. <laughs> She gives her phone number out every episode. Yes, it's important. I just, I mean, yeah. I enjoyed talking to her and I'm, I'm trying to homeschool my kids. Okay, do that next handwriting lesson. Okay, all right, go do your typing lesson. And then I'm talking to her about, you know, how to, how to help her up there. And we're going to do a little road show up there because she lives in a beautiful little city. And so we're going to take a group up and we're going to, we're going to door knock and we're going to go see the city. It'll be fun. Awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The moms really can make a difference. Mm -hmm. And moms are finding out we have to get engaged in this battle. So Priscilla, I'm sure you've gotten some slack for having kid, little kids at home and stuff. But my four-year-old, she is with daddy all day long. I know yours is. You've got you've got a system where you do stuff. And moms are the ones in this battle. I'm, I mean, I don't blame the men, Josh, uh, but most guys don't have the ability to fight the ground battle. And the women can show up with strollers and whatever at the Capitol and, and be at the central health districts and stuff. And so so we really do, we do need the moms. They're the ones who are showing up at the school board meetings and such. And my husband is like, go oh, Kirsten. But, um, you know, unless we really need them, they're trying to make a living. I, I mean, it's really a tough time right now for people. So I don't blame them, but the moms are the mama bears of Idaho are coming out in, in droves. And Deborah or not, like, yes, it's a time of judgment. And we have women who are willing to do it and they're capable. And so we have to expect them to get engaged in the battle. Yeah. Guys do want to get involved. I mean, especially seeing how you guys, you, you women are stepping up and, and really taking charge and taking your man cards. Whole things. Like I said, action breeds action. We had our first pints with Patriots. That's uh, how we get men involved. Yeah. We have beer. beer. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. I started pints with Patriots in, in King and County and we had a pretty, pretty yeah, good yeah, turnout so for fun. the first one. Yep. So guys want to get involved we just have to have beer there apparently <laughs> <laughs> or do it at odd times when they're available i get it my husband's a baseball coach other guys have you know things that they're doing and it's hard so but. yeah priscilla is this the most important election in idaho's history today may 17th 2022 yes because really you're not just voting for a party you're voting for the form of government and if you love our constitution and you love what america is and has been then we need you to vote because what they're trying to do is to fundamentally transform Idaho in this election. And there's going to be a whole line of um, 
candidates. And there's going to be a line in the sand between those who are pushing socialist, communist, more global ideas where they're more worried about our relationship with China than they are about how we are doing it with property taxes right here in Idaho. And so this is the most important election for our kids and for our ability to even have a job. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm losing probably one of my jobs, my husband losing his job. I mean, we could stop that here in Idaho if we had good, um, courageous leadership like Florida. Mm-hmm. We need to get Idaho back from being number 17 in the state back up there with Florida yeah. as one or two. Exactly. I'm like, make Idaho, Florida. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> I always say less government, big people, less government, big people. How hard is that? Why is that a big concept? Like if it's going to spend a ton of people's money, hard earned money, our property taxes are out of control. We know that they're supposed to go up, what, 30% in Canyon next year. Ah, uh, it's just, it's not okay. Yeah. It's not okay. You think you own your home until you've got tax season coming and you're like, I don't own my home. Well, uh, I do want to ask also about vaccine mandates and, and what we're seeing coming down the line and and the government lockdown and and all those things that brad little brought us and and unfortunately your opponent scott becky is doing very little to stop it can you kind of tell us what you'd like to see and what action maybe we can take to help support you guys in this next legislative session yeah so there's a lot of different facets to that right because we have the federal requirements uh, the requirement on federal workers and then you have the osha requirements on um, businesses and now we have requirements on um, people who contract with the federal government and that's including even colleges so um Brad Little is allowing our four colleges of higher education to force vaccine mandates mm. on all their employees. So that means people, uh, professors at BSU are getting fired this week. Um, then you've got the mandates um, even for our, our guardsmen, right? So mm. all of our guardsmen had this week to, or they're going to be kicked out. I just got the letter, the nasty ground that said if I don't provide the required or I haven't provided it thus far and so therefore I'll be getting a letter of reprimand and and then they will put you in the kick you out basically um, zero religious exemptions have been agreed to in the military um, thus far there are several pending lawsuits on on all these different ones um, then you have where it comes down to our children there's even that aspect because in Idaho we're one of the few states where a minor as young as 14 years old can get the shot without parental consent. That wow. makes no sense. 14 year olds can't even pick out a nice outfit. That's a hard yeah, call. You should, you should and see it, how my 14 year old does her makeup. Right? <laughs> right. You have to go come back in your room and try again. So how are they supposed to pay the medical bills or potentially any ramifications to these shots that they say, I want that for a donut or whatever they're going to get for it? Well, exactly. There's incentives. Um, there's $100 incentives through some of the schools, the colleges. Um, they're they're passing out bracelets up in Lataw County. Um, I mean, kids don't know the ramifications. They don't mm-hmm. know the science behind all of this. Yeah. And so that's really um, scary. So this last session, we uh, the legislature came back into session for about a week, and there were a whole bunch of bills put forward to try to stop this because the state does have the authority to say no, right? We have state sovereignty. 
And Scott Bedke and his chairman and the Health and Welfare Committee flat out did not let any of the legislation go through. I mean, it's it's pure um, tyranny, really, when you're not letting the legislative process work properly. And so my bill to say that we need to restore parental rights on uh, approving these vaccines for minors was just put in the drawer and just ignored blatantly. And so, you know, the a lot of people are saying, well, maybe we can work on these ideas more in January when the next session starts. Well, if we couldn't do it last week, there's no way it's going to get through in January. Nothing will change. And so what has happened now is that is emboldened all of the other um, businesses in Idaho. So now, like St. Al, St. Luke's, they had religious exemptions before. Now they're taking them away. So people who are given religious exemptions, those have been um, uh, removed, and now they're firing more people. And it's hurting our healthcare system. I have a, a dear friend who was diagnosed with breast cancer because um, of the COVID mandate. She even had her shots, but because of all the changes in the mandates, inside the health system, she was not able to get care she needed here in Idaho. And so she had to fly to California to have an emergency surgery done. And um, so that's where they're really, it appears like they are, they don't care about Idahoans anymore. Um, this is a, almost a, a global takeover by these big businesses. And so they're you know, yeah, maybe some new legislation, but it's not gonna go through. I mean, the only way we're gonna get our constitutional freedoms back is on the election on May 17th, 2022. And the stakes are higher than they've ever been. Yeah. You know, I came down during this, the week that they went through all that. And uh, I've never seen people more pissed in a crowd. I mean, people were yelling mm -hmm. from the gallery and it didn't even seem to phase a lot of the lawmakers. They didn't even care. Who are they trying to please is my thing. If, if it's Big Pharma or whoever's funding them, they're clearly aligned with them and not the people. So I hope that people are very, you know, um, attentive to that and go to the polls and the ballot boxes and really um, make sure that their voices are heard, that people like Bedkey and Martin and all the people that don't want freedom for health choices, that they just get a big whooping. Yeah. On May seventeenth, and and I don't know that Idahoans realize that are you know new Idahoans, us Californians, we're coming here and we think oh primaries yeah 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 no that's where the war is won and then they go forward into the November against a Democrat or you know an independent or whoever else is on there but so we need to pay attention and get um, a lot of help this what March April half of May. And then we're going to have a big, fun party where we celebrate all the candidates that get to go to the next step. So That's right. Great. Priscilla, where can people contact you and volunteer to help your campaign? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my website is the best place, and that's gettingsforidaho.com. And I'm also up on <laughs> Fascist Book um, on Instagram. But my web page is the best place to contact me. You can volunteer. You can. Um, I wrote an autobiography. I'd be happy to sign a book and send it to you. We've got gear and other things on there. And the other thing I would en encourage people to do is seriously consider going and volunteering to actually work the polls. You, know, you can vote, but if you can actually help work your county, a lot of times they need help. We need people, honest people, who are willing to help with the voting process. Because in that last 2020 election, we had millions of dollars given to 
21 more liberal counties here in Idaho Hmm. by Zuckerberg and Google to get out the vote for more leftists. Exactly. And so we need good people there helping and keeping an eye on what's really going on so that we have fair elections here in Idaho. Well, I don't know about you, Josh, but multiple times I tried to be a, you know, work at the polls and... I, I actually went down there and I said, do you have my application? I've put it in twice. And they say, well, we do it yearly. So it's in there for the year. And she said, we file it. And I said, is it in a round container on the floor? Because where is it going? I never get asked. And then this last time I found out from Ada County that they were doing a real push for watchers, poll watching. And I said, I'll do that. And I sent that to our chair. And she said, oh, it's too late now. And I'm thinking, why? Why? What, what happened? Where's the disconnect when we need poll watchers, we should be planning in advance for this and saying, come sign up. You have to do it through either a candidate, I believe, or through your central committee. Yeah, your party. Good to know. Correct. I'd love to have some poll watchers. I know. So I'd love to be a poll watcher. Contact we'll have me. Canyon County covered for you, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, again, thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate your time and, and really telling us a little bit more about you and, and what your platform is. So, I appreciate it. Yeah, I love your passion. It's great. It's important. Thank you both for uh, trying to get the word out. Yeah. Yeah. Share this podcast with a friend. Great. All right, everyone. Take care.